This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, movie lovers, back for another Anatomy of Movie here on Popcorn Talk. Today we dissect Alicia Vikander as she takes the mantle from Angelina Jolie in Tomb Raider. Stay tuned as we dissect. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is Anatomy of a Movie. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. And I'm Phil Svitek. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It's the reboot to Tomb Raider. Years down the line since we last saw Laura Croft on the big screen. And uh, a couple of things right off the bat before we get into our overall thoughts. Number one, we assume that you've seen the movie, so know that it will be spoiler-filled. So you've been warned. If you're coming back, welcome back. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. You can, of course, get our rundown in the description box. It's a PDF that you click, you can download and follow along. It's a lot of good information that sometimes we get to, sometimes we don't always get to. And we're going to break things up into story, development, and production, all those things, and talk about as many things as we can. But of course, we encourage you guys to comment and rate and continue the discussion, because we just kind of get it started, but that doesn't mean it's one and done. Movies, movies are great like that. We can talk about movies anytime. So without further ado, our overall thoughts on Tomb Raider starring Alicia Vikander... Marissa. I love this film. It was fun. I'm just going to start us off like that. Uh, big fan of Alicia Vikander. We've covered a lot of her films here, and I'm always praising her because she's effing amazing. And watching this, I, I mean, yes, I have seen the Angelina Jolie ones when they came out, and that was years ago. And I hardly remember what they even covered in those movies. And, uh, and I'm glad I didn't actually go back to rewatch them because I forgot everything they covered and it, I came into this new one with like a, a like a completely fresh slate so to speak and it was fun it, we had a strong female love it love it protagonist and she seemed just so realistic and she, you wanted to be friends with her she she was cool and and it, she was badass when not trying to be you know and it had like fun emotional beats there were dramatic moments, and there was a time consciously on screen. I'm just thinking, I was like, yeah, that's why Alicia Vikander is an Academy Award winner, because she's an amazing actress. She's just so effing good. And I love this film, and I was actually just looking at movie times to go see this movie again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boom. Uh, Dimitri. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a very fun popcorn action movie, and I think it's. I think there's many things going on here. Fluid direction. I think that there's some smart writing, and Alicia Vikander's performance, and it adds for a good time at the movies. Is it like a masterpiece? No, but it's a very good time uh, going to cinema, and we need that right now. So I had a I had a blast, and I really think too that. Um, 
the director, what do we, Roar Uthag, yeah. right? I think he did a really good job. I think he, he never relies heavily on hyper-reality or, or hacksaw editing. So we were able to see the action. We were able to see who's fighting who uh, without getting confused and dizzy. Um, so he did this great job of making a movie based off of a video game not look like a video game. You know, they shot it like an action movie of today, and they played, and the actors played it that way too. As opposed to just recently, I saw the horrendous uh, uh, Assassin's Creed, which oh. they tried <laughs> so hard to make. It, number one, it's a hard concept. Uh, they were doing their best, but it just looks like they were. Filming to make it look like a video game. And that's Alicia's husband. Husband, right. Yeah. I was so, say. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that you didn't have here. And and I actually thought that Geneva Robertson Dwart and this Alistair Sins, who uh, uh, they get credited for writing the screenplay, they did a good job because they, they wrote what's essentially an origin story that didn't feel like an origin story. Lara Croft is already Lara Croft. She doesn't have to become a superhero, so to speak. And on top of that, I really enjoyed how they wrote her that character because she's already smart. She is very persistent. She's very strong, strong-headed. And again, I have to go back to the smart because that is brought up very early on that she could have gone to the best school. So, And we've seen her tr- putting puzzles together. So I really like that. But the flip side is she goes on a quest where she doesn't exactly know what she's doing. You know, and it's and she doesn't know what she's going to step into um, and how she might get out of it. So there's a there's a vulnerability to her that was written in for the character that I think Alicia Vikander played to a T. And because of that vulnerability, I felt added to the strength of her character, made me believe in her more. So when when she's in a situation and then something else happens, she's like, really? Yeah. And and I enjoyed those moments uh, the most. So, uh, yeah, really good time uh, at the movies and a really good action movie. Uh, I I think probably one of the better ones, I think, to to kick off this year. I'll echo everything you guys said. And in particular, I love the moments when there's just pure action, whether it's the plane scene, whether it's the ship scene, all those moments where there's not necessarily an enemy, but it's just the elements that she's up against that made it really fun. And you can see her mind computing, what do I have to do to get out of this? And I I appreciated that. And as far as a female character, I think she's... I I recommend this movie to anybody to, to really go see because it's just a good movie in that sense. To aspire to, and there's so many things that I've never seen before as far as action. I love the the Hound and the Fox game mm-hmm. and what it led to and, and all those things. So there's nothing there. And I was worried. I wasn't that worried about the supernatural elements, how they were going to play out, and the fact that they didn't go cheesy with it, and it was grounded in this reality, and it made sense. Um, I, I certainly appreciate it, and even the button at the end, I'm ready for the sequel. Me too, and I got oh, t- yeah, two, totally. two other points I want to uh, like ask you folks too. Number one, I found it very refreshing that this movie did not start off with a comic book logo, right? I was like, oh, this isn't a DC or a Marvel movie, but it's, right. a, it's an action yeah. movie, right? 
And to your point, Phil, like she is, you know, she, she she isn't a character that walks into a situation knowing how to handle the situation, but yet she still maintains and comes out a strong woman character. And at the same time, she's she's fun to watch. And I had such a good time with her journey that that button at the end, I was like ready for the next one. I'm ready for her next adventure, uh, which I hope there is one. But I also enjoyed the villain in this movie because this wasn't a villain who was hell-bent on either revenge or taking over the world. He was just hell-bent on getting off this island. He was he, His job was to do this one thing, which he's been plagued with failure after failure. He becomes almost like a Kurtz and he's, he, his moral compass gets blown away, and he just wants off. I just, we, I, get, I don't care whether this thing is good or bad for society. This is what I got paid for. You're gonna help me get off this. It was more. He was getting Kevin fever. Yeah, I want, I want to go back to my family. Okay, I don't care what this means for the world. That's what they're paying me to do, and I, I like that motivation. Again, played by Walter Goggins, who was great. He was a really good villain. Um, Plays a lot of villains too. Yeah, and he was, and, but it was a decent villain. He wasn't over the top, like some so many of them can be. Um, it was, it was good. He was, he was a fun villain to watch. Also, I think the great thing about this movie too, there was a good through line and just overall story arc of the whole Himiko. And, right. like, that was intriguing enough in how they started the movie off with this legend of her and how it just kept us going in the entire film. It took us from place to place to place. And it was a good enough intriguing story to get everyone still involved and still interested throughout the entire film. Yeah, it's it's what the mummy should have been, <laughs> in a yeah. sense. You know, because you have this Himiko. I love this herb. I love that urban legend, that lore, the supernatural, as you said, how it plays into it. And they never tip their hat. They never tip their hand, I should say, as to it being cheesy. You bought into it, almost like you buy into the supernatural realms of an Indiana Jones movie, like the Ark of the Covenant and and such, and, and Temple of Doom and everything. So you buy into that lore, but at the end of the day, it's really almost a MacGuffin to the story. It's about how the characters react or act to uh, to a particular situation. And I love the exploration, puzzle solving oh, aspect it. of this because that was a lot knows of fun. Me. I love puzzles. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a big puzzle person. Not all my vacations, I'm always doing puzzles. Uh, and, like, I, I like that aspect, too, because it just shows, uh, and we'll definitely get into character development, too, but it, it also just shows that they're, uh, this character of Laura Croft, like, she's smart. She can figure things out. It takes her a minute, yeah. but like anybody, when you're solving a puzzle, you have to think. And I, and I liked how there were different aspects of puzzle, putting pieces together, with the entire film of just the narrative and her physically actually literally doing it on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like so that. as far as let's break it down a little bit because there's so much tie in to Laura Croft and her father and she gets that from him. But really the crux, what makes this so uniquely separated of, of everything else is the fact that, that, that bond her, her whole mission is not to, get this thing it's really to get to her father so she can end this all and figure out what happened seven years ago and so forth and that emotional crux the way it plays out uh, and especially towards the end when you know you're kind of very happy with what's going on and the unthinkable happens where she's gone through this adventure and now to come to the end and to have to lose him 
And that's the most painstaking of all. Um, you know, but she kind of finds herself and yet she loses a part of herself at the same time because even before that, her, the, the father's gift was to her was, I want you to find your purpose in life. She thought it was finding her father. Right. But it extends beyond that. Yeah, and I, you know, you bring up a great point um, because we've talked here about the plot point of a character gets quote-unquote killed off. And then maybe 10 minutes later, oh, character didn't die. They bring a character back only 10 minutes later to kill the character off again. And I was like, well, what the hell is the point of that? And I, this movie even takes, you know, they take it to a point where Lara Croft actually says, I didn't come all the way here to find you only to have you killed. Right. And when that death comes, it, at least there was an ability to, there was a reason behind what happens. So I'm okay with that. And it wasn't like that character died to begin with. We were believed that he was dead, but he's surviving on this island. So I'm glad they put a twist on that because that's a plot point that just always annoys me. Kill off a likable character. Oh, he's back. Oh, only to be killed again. Well, also, it's not like they kept telling the audience that he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Right. Where we, the audience, never physically see him actually die. So you know he's not dead. So, and, and I think the, the whole movie just leads up to eventually she's going to find her father. We knew that beat was coming. Mm-hmm. Great satisfactory but when they killed him off that was more frustrating and i get that and i did love their self-awareness and how she dropped that line and didn't find you xyz um also heartbreaking at the same time because you're like why did we spend this whole movie just for to find him just to lose him again very frustrating as an audience member but if you think about it the whole purpose of life her purpose is completely different from her father's uh, her father's purpose was to get the answers of Himiko, and we finally got the answers of Himiko. So, what else, just a narrative standpoint, would he have to offer, just in character storyline for this movie or for maybe potential future films, other than just being her father? I well, mean, he didn't have another storyline after this. As far as what, what again, what what this movie does very differently is the fact that it layers all these things in. The first hint you get at it is she doesn't sign the paperwork initially. So it's like, okay, well, the paperwork's not signed. Therefore, symbolically, he's not dead, right? Right. So that's your first kind of clue at it beyond, you know, just an intuition. And then but what they did, uh, I appreciated them messing with it because when you see um, uh, Mateus, Walton Goggins' character, he says, point blank, I killed your father. Right. So... In that moment, you're kind of questioning, you know, I, I could see there was no doubt that the father made it that far, right. you know, certainly in her mind, certainly in my mind. And at that point, when when he says it, there is a bit of questioning to, wow. And because he's at that point, he's also proven how insane he can be yeah. at doing this. Right, exactly. And when he says that I killed your father, and then literally two seconds later, he just point blank shoots someone, it plays with the audience like, maybe he did kill his father, and he just wasn't properly documented. And and I, I did like that, how it made the audience question, maybe he is alive, maybe he really is dead. Yeah, and to me, that put a period at the end of the sentence. It actually, for, for Lara Croft, at that moment in time... That was like, okay, he's dead, and and it was very and again it's it's it was a nice 
little twist to put in there uh, for when he's not. So it's like, oh, he was lying. <laughs> Liar! Um, but I did enjoy how they had that character say, I killed your father. Because that's the end of the quest for her. What else does she have to do now other than to sort of get off the island, so to speak? Which is a big task in and of itself exactly. at that point in time. Of course. Yeah. So, but then things change again. Um, it, 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 it is part of what made this movie fun. Is It's propelling you and it, and it moves forward with various twists and puzzles, uh, some good set pieces. And it did it, and it, it hit good plot points. Well, is, once once we get to the big reveal, if you want to call it that, they're never, the dad and her don't see eye to eye until the final moments, which is what makes it all the more tragic, because he he doesn't want her to do what she is doing and leading them down below. Right. That's the exact opposite of what he wants. So I, it, it was interesting to watch that play out the way that it did, but you understood both sides of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I did like that he was staying on the island because he knew uh, this was a bad thing. Like this wasn't going to be good. For, this wasn't going to be good for the world. Uh, where where Mateus was like, I don't care. I want to go home. <laughs> like leave me. I want to go home. I don't care who it's good for. So I like that dichotomy. And you're right with 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 uh, father and daughter not necessarily seeing eye to eye, but you still understood. You all you understood her motivation for sure. Oh, yeah. She just found her dad, and she's like, I'm not. We'll figure out how to get out. Out of this when we're down there, but right now I'm keeping you alive. I just found you after seven years of of everybody thinking you're dead, and so. even more so for her. I mean, <clears throat> how many times did they cut back to? I mean, we could just list the cast list for all the younger Laura Crofts. <laughs> the amount of times that he's left, I'll be back faster than than you'll realize I'm gone. Like, no, you've shown time and time again. That's not the case. Years right. go by. It, it did play, watching all the flashbacks and stuff, I was trying to, throughout the entire film, trying to figure out how old she actually is, because, granted, Alicia Vikander is, like, my age. And so she's young, but they kept saying seven years, seven years, and they kept flashing back to young, like, seven-year-old Laura. And then there was another flashback finally later on in the in the film where she's a teenager i was like okay she's actually seven years older than this so i it just kept playing with me i was like how old is she really when he actually left left for the last time yeah i think she ends up being by the way i think i would guess 23 maybe 24 based on the fact that he asked her hey, you know, what university did you go to? And she's like, I didn't go to university. So right. he assumed right. at that point she would have graduated and been, been doing something. So yeah. that's the age, I guess. Yeah. I was thinking 20, 21 to 24 yeah, like, around that. Like, she, she either would have graduated or maybe still have been in some semblance of college, whether it's a master or whatever. Um but I did like that she was young enough. And, and to me, this is a, a stark difference from the Angelina Jolie, which I have no real qualms with those movies. Oh, but Ange- Angelina Jolie is like, you know, she was full on, like she was a, like a woman like in that role. Um, where I like uh, when you go at this age, uh, still figuring things out for yourself in a sense. She's coming to, coming to cope with her dad's death. Um, 
I like that they said it this way because now they decide to go forward, right? We've got a whole, we've got all these other adventures to explore as that character is getting older in front of our eyes. That's that's part of the fun when you do that uh, for sequels. Well, one of the nice things was that a lot of collaboration was put in as, as far as her character, both from Alicia, both from every obviously the the screenwriters and so forth but uh to make it very much grounded and have that sense of realism and and i think she she did a wonderful job of helping make sure that it was portrayed and acted out that way especially early on i think she is very much relatable whereas you know the angelina jolie's Laura Croft, she's kind of like a Batman where it's too cool for school. Yeah. And yeah. like, okay, you maybe want to be that person, but it's it, it's so far out of your reach that, you know, as far as this Laura Croft is concerned, the only thing that's out of anyone's real reach is, okay, she comes from a billion-dollar family. Which right. she does not have any of that money yet. Well, which I, which yeah, again, she, like, I refused it in, right. in a way. Like, she wanted to make her own path. And, like, if we want to compare it to the Angelina Jolie, like, her version was gun-toting. Like, that that was her, her main source of weapon. And sure. in this one, in this new version, it's like, Laura Croft goes hand-to-hand compared yep. to guns. And, like, she didn't get the guns to the end. So, right. like, she's, she, in a way, made her more raw. Um, like, actual physical one-on-one, like... That made her more womanly, more grounded. Yeah, and I, I also loved how the movie opened uh, in the boxing ring, doing the MMA. I loved it. She got she got beat, and then she's in the locker room. So, because what's important about that scene is you learn a couple of things. A, she's you know human. she's strong, she's human, but she can be beat, and she can get whooped. And her friend was like, "No way, you got whooped!" <laughs> and so there's that. Mamalized, mamalized, and then you learn that she's poor. And so for anybody who's at all familiar with the games or even uh, the, the 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 Jolie movies, like poor, what happened? So, and I like how they explain <laughs> why she's poor. Signing that paper solidifies her dad has has, has passed away. So it so there are all good reasons for why she was in the situation that she was in, uh, and then we go to the bike race, which is cool. Um, awesome, you know, to get you know she needs money. So uh, yeah, I just I liked how, I liked the setup of this movie a lot because it really breaks the norms from what we've already seen in cinema for this character specifically. Yeah, and sp- speaking to the layering in. Uh, as far as the secret organization Trinity, um, which ends up being uh, a different name on the books, right? Uh, that's layered in as well through through um, Mateus and so forth, and you know that's the interesting part that it plays in. And I appreciate no thing was left just randomly or hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? It serves a purpose to either move story along or or character mm-hmm. beats. I- I think the the whole setting up of Trinity was good because it was great setup for a sequel. That like yeah, I would totally watch the sequel totally. And then, but also we just covered Darkest Hour, right? With Kristen Kristen Scott Thomas, and she was so awesome. She she was like such a supportive, nice person that we really liked her character. And then to follow her in this movie, you're kind of already like thinking 
with this pre-existing thought that she she's good <laughs> and there's your right. twist and like yeah. oh yeah they set yeah. us up for that i didn't see it yeah it was it was well played uh, and again it, it, it'll lead to further adventures um of of combating trinity uh so it, it sets that up very well, but yet it is still an enclosed that it still has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what I, there were, they really, there was nothing, there was no thread that was left um, wide open, so to speak, that you go, oh, it's not a complete movie. I really felt that this was a complete movie in and of itself it uh, that lends itself to future yeah. adventures and they I'm, wrapped I'm, every storyline I'm up with I'm, I'm with you I mean I I was ready right there when she took out the gun she goes I'll take two I'm like mm-hmm. oh, good let, let's I wanted more and then to me that's a good sign of a movie if you yeah. want more right then and there because you know as, as, as far as her character right the leader of Trinity what <clears throat> you just have such an aha moment because at no point very early on she, as you as you pointed out, Marissa, she seems very warm and loving, and just point blank, you would never suspect someone that's like about to be like, "Hey, you should take basically a billion dollars," that that person's in any way evil. Right, huh. and so I think the Hollywood tropes worked against us too, because when you see villain, you always think man. I mean, we, we've gotten some f- recent movies where the villain is a female. But they worked us. They like they surprised us that hey, she's, and she's also family. So and you don't think a family would screw over another family member. So I I think there there was two different factors that they played against us. Very smart. Yeah, and Kirsten Scott Thomas played it fabulously because at the beginning you it's like sweetheart sign the paper. It's like you deserve this. He left this for you. This is all yours, and and she was trying to talk. Comment. She was talking, talking sense to her. Like, why aren't you doing this? You can have. You can go to the best. You deserve to go to the best schools. Um, so yeah, you buy into it. She was. She was almost motherly. Uh, you know, and uh, she seemed genuine, very genuine, instead of disingenuous. And, and, and but she did, and then at the end, you figure, well, she was genuine. She wanted her to take the money, and then she would disappear with the money. She wouldn't pay attention to anything else. Well, also, and it has that double entendre where you understand, as far as uh, Mateus, the reason he tells her, like, "I killed your father," as a failsafe to Trinity. Worst comes to worst, if she does get off this island and doesn't help them, she goes back and signs these damn papers. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> no stone is un- left unturned. Trinity is everywhere. I, I, I really love that about this movie. Um, another thing I love and that I want to talk to before we get into some of the nitty-gritty, uh, Lou Ren. Mm-hmm. First off, very diverse cast in general, but as far as friendship goes, and you know, you could say it's it's a little bit... On the nose, he lost a father, she lost a father, and there's that bond. But you know, I think as they get into it, there's there's deeper connections beyond just that. I liked him too, man. And first of all, I was like, "Yay, Asian, <laughs> Asian representation!" <laughs> I loved it. Um, didn't expect that honestly at all in this film. So, uh, like, that was a very welcoming sight. But also that the fact that like he was human too. He was a mess. He was drunk and hungover when we He's first met drunk. him. So, yeah. but he was also very likable. 
and he had his moments of levity and um, jokes and stuff, but he was also very loyal to to Laura. Sure. And when she was in the cave and in, in the tomb, really, he's like, "I'm staying back to make sure she's okay." It's like, yeah, he's he's just a good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I liked him. He was strong too, and he he was just not to say a good foil, but like a good companion that she needed. Also, he's a good part of the team. But what we may get in future installments when she puts this team together. And yes, their fathers knew each other. Uh, so, and they died at the hands of Trinity or Mateus, uh, you know, for this quest, so to speak. And um, yeah, I enjoyed his, I, I enjoyed that character as well. Uh, there was a good chemistry there. And, 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 but you see the forming of a team that they can rely on one, in, one another for each of their expertise. Uh, so yeah, he was, he was, he was a good character, good character. And I'm glad they didn't, uh, you know, they could have just made him a drunk throughout the movie. Um, but they actually put him to good use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I enjoyed the same aspect you did of like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to make sure. Well, they, they, they did out. a good job of overloading initially his drunkenness. Uh, he knows as soon as she takes out money from the shoe, he's like, and I want to see the other shoe. And all these things, and then so when it juxtaposes to what he actually ends up doing, yeah, you you, you buy into it, and and you realize he's not just as he point he was he was uh, Daniel Wu was very worried that he would just be a two dimensional character, but he wasn't. No. no, he was fully fleshed out indeed. I think this is a good um, example for this is how Asians should be represented. Represented in, in films, not give them a two-dimensional character, but like give them a purpose, support someone, and actually give them also their own narrative too. Sure, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, regardless of, of race or anything, that's how you should go into thinking of something, and that's why too, this is above and beyond for me, like your typical video game movie, because it really did to me. I looked at this as a flat-out action movie. That was just smartly written. I, there wasn't a time outside of Lara Croft and the title of the movie that I'm thinking, wow, this is reminding me of a video game. It, and they, they played it straight. And the actors played it straight, too. And I really, I really appreciated it for that fact. Well, I think, uh, so I want to talk, let's talk about Alicia Vikander and we'll kind of break off from there, too. Uh, you know. She approached it with the realness. We, we can certainly talk about all the extensive work she put in to put on this muscle and so forth. But one of the biggest things of why you're reminded that um, the original Tomb Raider is more of a video game mm-hmm. versus this is there's plenty of articles if you just Google you know Tomb Raider and uh, feminist and whatever. Here, the Laura Croft that's represented, yes, she's a female. She's gorgeous i'm not going to deny that however her her clothing and the way she she is out in the world it's very purposeful towards what she's doing you know whereas no offense those booty shorts as great as they may be on angelina jolie (laughs) probably not the most practical things in the jungle right (laughs) yeah no exactly and for that reason because angelina jolie her character just seemed like unattainable unattainable to the point where it's not realistic. I mean, if I remember correctly, one of the opening scenes of, I forget which one, forgive me, but uh, it's when she's like hanging upside down on a wire. Like, no one can do that on an everyday basis. Like, But when we see 
the Laura Croft in these movies riding a bike and being in a boxing ring. Yeah, a lot of people do that every single sure. day. Like there, there were so many realistic aspects to this Laura Croft that made it more relatable to people and more likable also in a way compared to Angelina Jolie's her clothing. They made her a sex symbol. Well, that's too, I mean, that's part of they that made it game. Way more back sexy. That, that in that time period when those games were right. as popular, I mean, they, it wasn't until the 2000, the, the 2013 game, which sort of revamped and rebooted this, this series as well, which they're basing this movie off of. <clears throat> that's, you know, back then, that's how that game was, 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 um, engineered, uh, put together. But I do like, I, I like this one much better because of, just because, like I said earlier, the vulnerability that the character had, the character could get hurt. Um, and, and, and had to really put herself in situations where she really didn't know what, what, what she's doing. She just had, I, I need to get from point A to point B. That's all she knew. And, oh, how am I going to do that with this? And like, oh no, this just came up. Uh, in, in the way she, uh, Alicia Vikander played her, too, was a nice breath of fresh air. You know, it was good to see a character just go into a situation, <laughs> really not jumping into it, but that's what she needed to do without really having all the smarts and figuring things out. Yeah, but there was also moments where she actually had obstacles, too, that she had sure. to get through from going place to place. The moment when she got impaled, that felt Oof. painful. That looked painful. And then when she actually had to take that moment when Oof. her father was, like, stitching back up, actually a great moment. She was like, <laughs> this hurts me more than it'll hurt you. Um, I loved it. But also, it just shows how human she is. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, if you were actually put in that situation, yeah, you, you're probably going to get yeah. impaled by something and almost die. I'm so. probably going to get slammed for this, but I'm only making the comparisons because of the characters. When you look at Indiana Jones, part of what makes that character so uh, iconic and lovable is that he, too, can get beat in a fight and get hurt, right? That's part of it. When you look at uh, John McClane from the first Die Hard movie, oh. like that <laughs> so character beat gets beat up, and he's he's in a situation where he's like, "What the, what are you doing here, John?" Okay, I'm not saying again. I'm not saying the Tomb Raider is better than either of those two movies, but why do you like Die Hard? Why do you like Indiana Jones? Because they are fallible characters. They can get going. hurt. Yeah. They kept going after and they, they kept got hurt. Going. Well, here's, here's a big difference, though, too. Uh, and everyone was very conscious in the writing to make it as such. Despite Indiana Jones getting beat up, he's still cocky as can be. Right? right? <laughs> totally. Whereas Laura, in these situations, she understands... She's not thinking about her comeback line as she just got punched. She's thinking about... Yeah, Ouch. this is a this is a a foe, and I have to figure out how to get through this in this situation, and that's what I'm going to focus on. So to me, um, again, I'm not saying it, I love Indiana Jones. I'm not saying that, but as far as um, this goes, I appreciate that she didn't have that arrogance to just be like, "Oh, yeah, is that all you got? Come on, hit me again, hit me again." Mm-hmm. So um, it, it played it really well, and um, you know. As far as her regimen, so many articles about it, but um, you know, she really, she really wanted to to do this right, and she did most of her own stunt. Yeah, yeah, which mm-hmm. is cool, which is very 
cool. It, yeah, and she trained uh, like a ballerina from this uh, Magnus, uh, there's no way, Leidbach, who has his own uh, Magnus method of balance and fitness, mind, body, and preparation. And he does it through ballet. Um, and ballet is a hardcore sport. Uh, yeah, I've and done v- ballet. V- Vikander, and, and this is, and not only was it like ballet, but there was a weight regimen, a diet regimen, and even during production, she never stopped. Uh, she trained for 45 minutes to an hour every morning before heading to set. Uh, so, yeah, she, and she showed up prepared. Yeah, and, and the trainer, Magnus, uh, he, he's also trained Alexander Skarsgård um, for, for Tarzan. Tarzan. And right? we talked about his Ooh, crazy regimen yeah. during that anatomy. Gal Gadot for... Um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Right. So and and like he, he's worked with a lot of celebrities in that way. But her her training regimen was crazy. Like they did a lot, a lot of different exercises from squattings to um, push ups, pull ups, deadli- deadlifts, um, training on machines, plyometrics, explosive training, MMA fighting. So lots of different things. And then her. Her diet regimen was crazy. She would eat every third hour. So, and it was the keto diet. So, she had like eggs in the morning, rice in the afternoon, chicken at night, you know, like fish fillet. Fish fillets. It was was like high carbs, high fat. Yeah. Yeah. For months. Yes. Slow carb, lean protein, nothing that I really eat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And her favorite meal was the runny eggs, poke, and Asian fusion combinations. Uh, and then she ate five times a day at three-hour intervals. They built a a 24-meter-long gym. It was a truck that they converted into a gym for her to work out at. Um, and then, you know, uh, she said that this, this Magnus... Um, program also allowed for a little bit of reality because her favorite days was pizza days Sunday. <laughs> she got to eat pizza she had a cheat day good for her <laughs> well deserved and she was so excited for her cheat day because every day uh, every sunday she she'd wake up she's like it's pizza day yeah you know she she had that mentality and i like that because that also just makes her likable as a person too like she's yeah. human Mm-hmm. Give and her she, damn pizza. Yeah, and she performed in her boxing. I mean, she did the boxing. She did a lot of the stuff. Again, a lot of the stunts. Which you know, it's it's. it's she was sculpted though. She was. Goodness. She looked great. If you want an exercise, you get on this exercise. Yeah, I Crazy. don't think I could survive the exercise. But no, she she was fan- She was great. She really looked. I, there wasn't a time where I didn't believe that her strength and agility could help her get out of something. But so let's sure talk about. Favorite action set pieces. Sure. Um, you know, I want to know if, what what was your favorite action set piece, and if it's the end one, uh, we'll discuss it further at length. I want I want to talk about that one in length particularly, but um, if it's not, what would it be? Is it? I I mean, I really like the the plane and the whole ship sequences because. I never played the game, so I don't know. And those were, like, apparently ripped straight from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just cool to see this character and the situation and how she dealt with it. And, like, swimming and, like, going down the <laughs> river. And, yeah, that it probably sucked in, in real life. And I don't blame you, girl. But the, the way that the character just, like, had to systematically think her way out of the situation, like you said earlier, Phil, it was fun to watch. But also very calculating, just showed how smart she is and how innovative she is um, just for survival. And that was just fun, and I didn't expect it at all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, the the running through the jungle or the escape through the jungle where she ends up uh, by the waterfall, where that plane is anchored, um, again, it, to me, it was layered very much. It's a great action movie because they set upon obstacle and obstacle and obstacle. This This thing is so rusted, you can't walk on it. You know, and then she's inside and trying to cut her her cords, her, her, her yeah, her, her cords that are her bindings. hand bindings, and then the water's rushing through and the planes breaking apart all around her. That's where she goes. Really? Oh, really? She's like, come on! Um, but it was filmed. It was filmed really well. There was uh, there was excitement. It was a good thrilling scene. Uh, I did like. Uh, um, you know, probably the scene that may have most looked like a video game is running down, running through the tomb, and those big spiked like mm-hmm. logs mm-hmm. were were coming, and she had to like jump or slide underneath. Traps. The, yeah, the booby traps. Though those were fun scenes. Uh, you know, jumping off the ship uh, when they crash in the island. Yeah, you, I mean, you get even even early on, you get her backpack being stolen. Oh, that yeah. in itself is an action sequence. For me, I really loved uh, the biking sequence. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I have yet to see or that I can recall seeing something like that, and it, it was just so fun. And the way she went about like picking up her bike and riding on the smart. the back of a truck that that was very sp- smart. And that's actually based on those illegal races do happen a lot in Europe. So that the, that's actually rooted in reality. Up. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Another one that I actually really liked, also just for the puzzle aspect, was when the floor was breaking. Yeah. And they, she had to figure out the color puzzle piece. And I'm like, what color is it? <laughs> and but it was just so well executed and edited that built the tension. It like, was. oh, these people are going to die. They're not figuring it out. Reminded me of the I'm losing floor. Yeah, I'm losing the floor. Like but like, there, there was humor also throughout oh, during moments of anxiety that these people are going to die. Yeah. I think that was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole going down deeper and deeper, everything just played so well to it, um, and I, and I, I, there was just so much tension, and then we finally, the reveal of of who she is and all the little pieces that they intertwined of um, the one has to sacrifice for the many and this and that right. and so forth, and when you when the twist is oh wait, she wasn't imprisoned, mm-hmm. she put herself here Mm -hmm. for a very particular reason and that was a nice twist too like you know it's nothing that we've come to expect it was not like again the mummy where she was entombed because she was evil or did this crime this person it was a self-sacrifice and she understood uh what was ill-gotten gain so to speak if if this virus would ever Mm -hmm. come out um and again only but well, you're it, saying like the the way that it was written, we're only known, we're only told at the audience. It all builds up to that end when you get oh, it's not what we've been being told. Like this is a different story when it, they see everything. Yeah, it's it smart. also just switches the moral moral message <laughs> yes. of the whole thing because at the beginning, literally when they're explaining the whole human code, <laughs> it tells the audience that this is like a pure act of evil mm. upon the world. And then when we find the actual reveal, it was like, no, it's actually saving humanity, not destroying yeah. it. So it, it just it brought a more positive spin to this story that we weren't expecting. Yeah, and she's not the pure act of evil. It's the virus that's the pure act of evil. 
in uh, Trinity. In Trinity, yeah, it was. Right. It, yeah, it it just makes it all the more hard. Rather than basically, you didn't need two entities that were trying to take <clears throat> over the world, and that was nice to see. Uh, it's a it's a breath of fresh air that we've yet to see. I think. Yeah, hope in so. humanity. In a while, <laughs> like you know, it's like that's one of the reasons I like this movie uh, so much because there were different things, uh, whether it be not seeing the comic book logo, and yet we still had a good action movie. Yeah. You know, we had a good fun character, a good fun female character. I don't personally. I got to be honest. I don't understand why there aren't more people like us. Talking about it the way we are, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, because... Because they're making it too many comparisons to the other films, like Marvel, like Toon, the other two Raiders. I get that. This can exist, though. Like, this doesn't have to be those. It's It can still exist as a good, thrilling action movie. Um, so... Well, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. But luckily, what it's not making up for in the U.S., it's... Certainly making up for internationally, yes. so we'll we'll talk about that. But let's let's talk about the production, um, shall we? Our our good friend yeah. Roar, not literally <laughs> but figuratively, uh, the director of this just really did a wonderful job. Um, and he was a fan of the video games when they first came out, and he played them all the way back in Norway. And so he got really excited when he got the opportunity to do this, and I think. You know, we sometimes talk about it. There's a passion for certain projects, and and all, unfortunately, as of recently, we we've seen it not be fulfilled to what you would expect based on that level of passion. I think with this, it's quite the opposite. The passion worked out and actually was ex- executed tremendously on his part. Yeah, and for all the the physical elements and just mm-hmm. the nor- narrative standpoint, uh, not once was it actually lost in this film. No. Um, there, there was a very through line throughout Ab- the whole place. Absolutely. And to your point, Phil, though, sometimes, and I'm going to throw this out to the audience, to you folks, when we hear that word, there's a passion for it, sometimes those people take that passion as their own passion, so they make it for themselves, and they forget sometimes to make it for an audience. Mm-hmm. And he didn't forget any of that. Like, what makes the game thrilling? Not for me, but what makes it popular for everybody? And I'm going to make a... I want to make something that, yes, I have a passion for, and I want to treat it well, but I understand I'm making it for audiences, and I want to do a cross... <coughs> I want to get all quadrants to come in and see this, so I, I'm making an action movie. And it looked, it looked really good. Uh, and like I said, there wasn't that hacksaw editing that we're always used to in these types of movies. Action, action. Well, but it's cut, just cut. cut, 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 cut here, cut here, cut. And you don't know who's fighting who. You get dizzy. I didn't find that here. And yeah. while there was slow motion, which we've talked about here, can be tedious when it's overused. But, but here it was used very sparingly. And I was like, okay with it. I was yeah. all right. So... And I, I was very surprised at how much they were able to fit in in under two hours, yeah. and that's including the credits too. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. because I, I, I was watching. I was like, oh, we went to so many locations, to so many places. We did so many things. If you really look at it, a movie of that amount, just on paper, we've seen could end up being two two twenty, yeah, or two thirty in terms of length. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciated what they were able to do. And um, 
and uh, George Richmond, who who recently did uh, well, he did Kingsman Secret Service, um, not the follow up, but he was the cinematographer for this, and so you could see when you're talking about that action, uh, Kingsman is not, nothing if not action, right? <laughs> Certainly right. the original, and a lot more hyper real than than I, I would argue than Tomb Raider. I think this one was a, just a bit more grounded. Uh, yeah, that defied us. like gravity yeah. in so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. But also that movie, like that's another example of going from obstacle to obstacle to obstacle. Right. And um, but also fun at the same time. Sure. And and like what I liked about it is because Phil, you were saying from place to place to place, we did span the world. I mean, we went from London to South Africa. And and like then back to London and, and you know and I like Don't that because Hong Kong. yeah it's in Hong Kong like mm-hmm. a, a lot of different places and but it also just shows how internationally this story um, it can be important just all over the world right and without it being forced either it all it all made sense of okay you understood we're not just going to Hong Kong for the sake of going to Hong Kong. It's Himika is somewhere in this Pacific region, right. mm-hmm. so in order to get there, here's the best location to kind of start with yeah and in fact it's the only guy that was crazy enough to go with me yeah um so so i appreciated that and you know the locations themselves for me breathtaking every single one Mm -hmm. of them and i i appreciated that um for the for the whole time i never thought anything was too digital we often talked about that Mm -hmm. Uh, it all there was a realness to it, even I'm sure, you know, the plane sequence was done with green screen or blue screen, whatever, around and so forth. And it just it just works um, to a very high level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and every location that they went, you can clearly understand what location they were. You know, in London, it was more gray and blue and saturated. In Hong Kong, very colorful, very vibrant. But, like, boats everywhere and, like, uh, the, you know, the different cultures. And then when we went to South Africa, very gritty, very right. dirty, um, dirt everywhere and shooting and jungle everywhere. So, like, they all had the different feels for every environment. Right. Absolutely. Um, in particular, I love uh, they used, a, obviously, a relocation for Croft Manor. It was called the Wilton House near right. Salisbury. Wiltshire. Uh, Yes, mm-hmm. very uh, very real location, very uh, extravagant location for sure. But um, when you think of the Cross family, you certainly think of that house. Yeah, absolutely. And Great. you know, I mean, they were in Hackney, they were in Shoreditch, which I actually stayed in Shoreditch, and it's a cool place. But I also like that a lot of principal photography is accomplished in and around Cape Town in South Africa. Uh, they went to Hong Kong. Um, you know, that uh, Hong Kong harbor sequence was shot uh, on location at Hout Bay, and that's a quaint fish. Well, that's actually in Cape Town. But it was so realistic that the, um, what's the gentleman's name who plays? Uh, uh, the uh, the gentleman who play, we were just talking about him. And, uh, oh, Daniel? Yeah. Daniel Wu? Yeah. I mean, he's from there, and when he walked on set in Cape Town, he's like, oh, my God. Like I used to living in a fishing village. This looks like they got every detail right. Like it's amazing what they were able to accomplish. It's movie magic, really. I mean, it's it's it, yeah. I felt as if I was in each of those locations, much like an extravagant Bond movie. You really feel like you're getting the culture from wherever the character is going, and into it. You know, it's not again. Indiana Jones does the plane sequence, right? We didn't really get a lot of that 
But you we do... got we we got the <clears throat> lower third. Text. Right. No, well, it was not, it was just text rather. It was right. like mm-hmm. full lower third. Mm-hmm. But. but I really felt I like whatever location that they were supposed to be in. I felt as if I were there. You know, no. they had the culture, they had architecture done to a T. The smells and everything like the, 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 that bag chase was great. Yeah, and it you're not. Great. That's also another thing you're not expecting. Right. I was like, these guys are too nice. Don't trust them. Right. Yeah. I will. <laughs> yep. The side eye. That, that but one. I like that. And but it also just shows like how badass she is because she chased him down. She chased him down. And then like, she was being chased by three guys. And I'm like, that's well, cool. But it, yeah, it was the it was the reversal and then the reversal. She's yeah. chasing right. them. Then she gets what she wants. But hey, now we have guns. Right. Yeah, or or sorry, over. it was a knife rather. Sorry. It's right over. Um. So it, it really worked out really well. Um, a lot of good stuff and um, you know, uh, not again as far as like CGI. I'm sure a lot went into it, but but it's not. I can't watch the movie and pick pick out specifically like oh that they definitely have to CGI that or mm-hmm. whatever. Just very much. I mean, if I didn't know filmmaking, I'd say, oh wow, they shot everything. The way that it should have been. It's, well, it's like when the water hit. It yeah. hit. You know? Yeah. And and they they say in a lot of interviews that Alicia got hit like 25 times. <laughs> like, what a trooper. And it's funny because as opposed to a movie like Jumanji, which I recently watched, every single... Like, yes, you can tell they're in Hawaii. And yes, you can tell they used a lot of CG. Like, a lot of CG. Um, where in this movie, I, I felt that it was there was probably a lot, but it was uh, to your point difficult to discern between. Where it blended in naturally, at least the way I watched it. And it's tough because we normally to pull off CG, you try to mask it in darkness. Sure. Mm-hmm. And here, yes, we had night scenes, but we also had a lot of day scenes. Mm-hmm. And so I found that fascinating that they took that. Uh, that gumption and just just kind of went for it to, to to pull it off in the way that they did. Right, the whole mm-hmm. river scene was during the day, and yeah. they they said that Alicia got dropped into the water with her hands actually bound about twenty plus times. Like that's actually her going down yeah. the the river. So I mean, good for her. Yeah, that's real. That's practical. Yeah, and building the endurance, yeah. um, which is funny how they got to like why they ended up having to. Um, they 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 looked upon the endurance the the boat as a character, and they were thinking about buying buying a boat or or hiring one. Uh, but it was the start of tuna season in Cape Town, and there were no boats for them uh, available. So they designed a boat that worked on a pontoon, so it float in a tank, but also had movement. Um, they went on five axes gimbal and withstood tons of water from cannons for that critical sequence. Again, the practical effect really works. They're not on a CG. They didn't put this in afterwards. Um, they were getting bounced around, getting shot with water cannons. Uh, and the whole tank for the Endurance was built at Cape Town Film Studios. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. Uh, I mean, Elisa's actually in, in the cold water. She said it sucked, but she didn't complain. Not once did she complain. But there was a day where she had a breakdown because the water is so cold. It's like 50 degrees. And she's spending 12 hours in 50-degree mm-hmm. water every single day for two weeks. She did have a breakdown, but eventually she, she got through it. And even with a wetsuit. She got through it. Yeah, even with a wetsuit. Yeah, Suffer for tough. your art. 
It gets Go cold. On. It gets cold for sure. Um, as far as the music, you know, something we talked about uh, recently with another movie. I don't want to. I don't want to be smart again. But they use too much instrumental. Did they use too much um, non-instrumental music? Mm. Whereas this, this, as far as the music, this is what I was looking for and want in an adventure movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want the over-the-top, larger-than-life, and, and even um, even the first Tomb Raider. Yeah, sometimes like it was part of the scene where like music would play, but it right. just it just became too cool, right? You know. I'm I'm of the camp like I don't think it's a great movie, but it, you know I'll revisit it if I ever needed to or wanted to, hmm. um, or if it's on TV just playing. Fine, you could say I like Angelina Jolie. Sure. Well, it, it, this is, well, there, this is done by what J.K. or Junkie, Junkie XL. Yeah, Junk, Junkie XL. Uh, he he's Hans Zimmer light. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've worked together on movies. Uh, I think uh, um, Batman versus Superman. I mean, yeah, he just did Justice League, so obviously it's, you know, that the Wonder Woman's theme is derivative from Batman v Superman right. and so forth. So tied so, to that DC universe. It, it has that. I think with the movie that it works really well, I was actually listening to the soundtrack just this morning um, and prepping for this. What I was surprised at listening to the soundtrack without the movie is that there was a subtleness to, to some of the score, Right. But when there wasn't subtleness, again, I thought, oh, yeah, of course, this is him, and this is Hans Zimmer light. This is what Hans Zimmer does. But to everybody's credit, it did not overpower the movie in one way, shape, or form. Because you had so much loudness going on and so much happening in the movie that it was a perfect bed to to keep the momentum, I felt. I I agree. And even, um, I haven't listened to it separate of it. But um, just even knowing the ending, I just remember having this feeling and the music was building up, building up, and it built up that feeling for me. And very rarely, unless it's a Marvel movie, we don't get a mid-credit scene, and boom, there goes Tomb Raider. We see, uh, I forget how the the exact sequence, but, and then we come back for the two guns, Mm -hmm. and I was, that, I'm in. I'm in. I did like that moment. I was like, there she is. Yep. Yeah, you know, there she is. That's the one that I mean, like, if if anything, the the first two movies did right was establish that hey, she is a gun toting bitch who's right. awesome, like, and you're kind of expecting that throughout this movie. But and so when we finally get that moment, I was like, yeah, that's that's what we we actually know and yeah. love. Yeah, and she handled it well. Um, I I actually thought Nick Frost because of the trailers was going to be in the movie more. Mm-hmm. But you can see or sense how his character and the wife, uh, they were funny. Funny. They were so funny. And it wasn't like it wasn't like over the top. It was They were integral and they were organic to the story. But you could see how they will be, well, I hope, part of the team, mm-hmm. you know, as far as getting her, her weapons and explosive or whatever. And they'll do it in a in an entertaining fashion. Having Nick Frost and and the repartee he had with his wife was was classy. It was funny, and it's just a good moment because it, it it it's it's that final bow to wrap it all up as far as the necklace. He gets the <clears throat> yes. necklace back because you know it, it, in all sense of it, you really didn't necessarily need that scene, and yet 
it just felt so right yeah. to, to get that back. Right, mm-hmm. but also the representation of just the necklace. At that moment when she gave away the necklace, she was letting go of her father. She finds her father, lets him go again, and then, like, gets her father back in a way right. via the necklace. It's just uh, the whole representation of it I loved. In a sense, it's, it's almost picking up the mantle. Getting the mm-hmm. necklace back is picking up the mantle of her dad's, like, what her dad's secret life was. Mm-hmm. And she has her purpose. Um, yeah, it was it was a good bow. It really was. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's start breaking down pure numbers of this um, opening weekend. It came in second to Black Panther, which is kind of surprising because Black Panther didn't necessarily make all that money that no. weekend. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm I'm glad it. I'm glad for Black Panther that it's still withholding at, at the number one slot. I would have wished that it was holding at a higher level, and therefore, even if Tomb Raider was number two, it had. Uh, I was just basically I was just as disappointed that it didn't get as much as it could have. Yeah, especially way. in its first week. Especially after watching it, that's why I'm yeah. glad that this is the first time I think that the three of us are really. I forget the last movie we were all on board in a positive way, in a positive way, which is important. But I'm sort of surprised that there aren't more people like us who are talking about this movie in a positive way. I had felt that this movie could have done, you know, 30. I thought it was going to unseat Black Panther. Uh, and you know, when, when, when that final number of 23 million came out, I was a little bit, uh, I was like, oh, I wanted it to do That's so it. much more. Uh, because I really felt that it was deserving so. And then it made me wonder... Warner Brothers, what, like, why did you sort of kind of hold back? Like, why didn't, I mean, you had the goods, did you, did they maybe not believe in the movie as much? But, you know, I know you were going to talk about international gross. But, yeah, and with and that, but it's also just that the the factors going into this film, it's like, you have a strong female protagonist, and we're, we've been seeing more of those movies, thank God. Um, fortunately, in this past years of Hollywood. So you you have your strong leading female protagonist, and then you already have an established franchise. It might be just people are franchise-tired. Franchise-weary? Like, I get that, yeah. Possible. Like, I, I get that, too. But also, you have established names, like Alicia Vikander. Mm-hmm. She's an Academy Award winner. Like, And you have gravitas to the film as well, and you so you think you would do better. Yeah, and I'll I'll go into I mean in complete honesty when I heard that they were doing another t- a Tomb Raider movie, you know I did ask <laughs> you know is this necessary? But then I saw the trailer and I said you know what she's in this movie. The trailer looks good to me. I go okay I, I'm I'm in. It became an anticipated movie for me, and I thought that they did cut a good trailer that that didn't look like it was going to be cheesy. It looked mm-hmm. like it would be fun action. So. And and with Vikander in it, you're right. She 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 brings along with it a bit of credibility. And there wasn't a time where I said, "What is she doing in this movie?" Like Michael Fassbender, what are you doing in Assassin's Creed? Mm-hmm. I didn't ask that while watching this at all, or even watching the trailer. I was like, "Oh, it's a good choice. You yeah. actually could pull this off." And ultimately, she and cast and crew did. Yeah. Well, it, to me, it's it's tough because I, the, the reviews. Don't come out until more recent to the to the premiere, obviously. But I wonder if there was any sense of okay, the critics might not love it, and how we how do we handle this? Because 
as of right now, it's got a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just, it's atrocious that that's what that's it has wild. to be. Is it 40? Because I that's had 50 as low. of this morning. Oh, well, then it went so, up because of us. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. But um, that, that's a representation of a low number that deserves a higher score. I I couldn't agree 80. with... Give it an 80. Yeah. 80. Eight, eight. You know, and because 50% is what you usually give maybe a horror movie, right? Or even a, like a comedy, because you know it's going to be divisive. Some people like horror, some people like that kind of comedy. So 50, I go, okay, there's a chance I'll like it. But 50 for this, after I walked out, I was like, why is this getting... Like, why isn't it getting better reviews? I don't understand. Is it because it's related to a video game? Or I just couldn't, I couldn't, because what's out there that's like it right now in the marketplace? You know, Black Panther. You know, But I can't compare this movie to Black Panther. Like, this movie is its own entity, and I thought that they did a great job of making it not look and feel like a video game. Well, they did, they... A lot of people, as far as criticism, are saying it's paint by the numbers. But okay, it, it, whether it is or but we have a format, the <laughs> it, like you know, you can look at Van Gogh and he. Okay, so the man uses paint. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, his art. So, like what? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Like I'm trying to, but basically, it's a moot point to me. It doesn't. It doesn't actually exist. Like. Yes, it has certain tropes and so forth, but uh, the way it tells it is engaging enough that so who cares if it's, quote, paint by the numbers. First off, I don't believe that it is, but even if it is, it's engaging enough. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's it's like when we talked about Game Night, because that was another movie that I thought about, right? Not a perfect movie by any chance, but I laughed. I came out of the theater going, that's a good, I would give that a thumbs up. That's a good fun. movie. Go see that movie. It's fun. Mm-hmm. This movie, not a masterpiece, but why does it have to be? Like, are we really setting our, our well, like, I think the words masterpiece and great and visionary, they, they become thrown out so often that they ruined what the word actually means. Tomb Raider isn't a masterpiece, but who cares? It is a very good time. While I'm sitting down having some popcorn, my audience, the audience I started with, applauded. Mm-hmm. They yeah. liked it, and I'm like, "This, th- this is why we go to the movies to have to have fun." And especially <laughs> after coming off of movies like Three Billboards and things, it's good just to see a movie that is an action movie that that I can have a good time at. So I'm very glad that this movie is doing very well overseas. Yeah. You know, um, because its worldwide box office is 162 million, right? That's not too shabby. Uh, it's it's done 132 plus million, so that's 81.6 percent of the gross, which is pretty cool. So I have a new theory too about international box office. I used to report box office. I've said this before for Lionsgate many a time, and we'd always include Canada gross. Why do you include the Canada gross into the North American gross? Because it it, it juices the gross a little. And then there came a time when they started to add international gross. They did it to juice the gross at the time. But I think nowadays, international market, my my thinking has changed. I've done actually a complete 180 because to me, what the international gross does is it proves we have so many naysayers about the movie industry losing money, 
Not enough tickets sold domestically. Audience, we're losing audience. What's going on here? Well, when you look internationally, movies aren't losing audience. Like, if a movie like this can come out and do $132 million on foreign soil, movies are a global entity now. Completely global now that we can get those grosses from overseas. And each market, like China, is becoming bigger and bigger. Our export of movies fuels the world, you know, for entertainment. We bring in some of it, too, but we fuel the world for entertainment. Movies are global. They are no longer yeah. just domestic. But, all, yeah, also in fairness, Elise is a big name overseas. Daniel Wu is a big name in, <coughs> in China. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a humongous star in China, and people don't really know him as well here in America, but he's huge in China. Mm-hmm. So I think that also helped with the international growth, too. I read in an interview that they compared Daniel Wu. He, he's like the, the Brad Pitt of China. Mm. So, like... He, he has a big name and credibility over there, too, so that could help with the international. No, it, absolutely, but, I, but, I, but it goes I get more it. to my theory. Thing. It's a yes. movie going is global. People overseas enjoy going to the movies, big and small, because we talked about Darkest Hours, uh, even movies like Three Billboards. Like, these movies had an international presence, and they're small movies. But then the, then the argument goes, oh, but it didn't do Black Panther numbers or more. Yeah, not every movie is ever going to do those kind of numbers. That's but a Black bar Black Panther that's set. also had a different message and a t- different takeaway than this movie did. But Avengers, the next Avengers movie is going to be huge, right? But those other movies that are doing $100 million, we can't like ignore those. Those are equally good movies uh, to go to you as well. You just said, I'm looking for Showtimes. I want to see this again. Yeah, right. I probably will see this So. Again. You know, I, I, I applaud um, looking at international grocers. I think in today's current market for the movie business, I think it really does showcase that the global business. Well, it'll, be, it, it'll be interesting to see its hold up uh, because as far as this weekend's concerned, we've got Pacific Rim Uprising, which <clears throat> Marissa and I have actually gotten a chance to see. We think it's a great movie. I think it's going to be a similar case of it's going to do far better internationally than Mm -hmm. it does domestically Mm -hmm. and you know isle of dogs the wes anderson movie it's wes anderson but again to that point he's gonna make wes anderson box office numbers so we'll see domestically (laughs) we'll see where this this lands ultimately i really hope that um it's only got to be on cinema score but i do hope that there is a word of mouth that can kind of at least for this weekend you know, continue it and, and have a pretty good hold over. When you talk about, you know, uh, let's just say round, round up to $25 million, the hold over from one to two, you know, you're never going to be able to hold onto a $200 million gross from one weekend to the next. No, but what's but, a 40% drop from 25? Uh, 20. Is it, yeah, but, I don't know. I'm just making stuff oh, up. Oh, okay. Because I'm was i trying, trying to figure it don't out. Don't ask me, Matt. It's going to be between 40 and maybe 50%. Um, drop. I mean, considering you have another action movie coming out. But again, if there is a sequel to be made, it's going to be made because of the international box office. They'll make it, we'll see it here, of course, um, but because it is doing well internationally and overseas, that helps with that 94 plus million dollar budget that they had. Uh, I, I was bummed that this movie didn't play 
as well, uh, box office wise. And when I saw CinemaScore, I'm like, who are they asking? Right. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> like, I thought the exact same thing. Right. I'm like, who are they asking? They go, they who scored this? this? Yeah. Uh, it, it it seemed a little bit better than like a B to me. I didn't find this movie to be mediocre no. at all. Yeah, no. So, anyway, we can all agree that it's a good movie. Um, we're confused by some of the reviews and so forth. And so we turn to you, the good people of wherever you're from. Mm -hmm. leave us a comment let us know what you guys thought and be honest you know if you didn't like the movie let us know why you're entitled to that opinion i'm not gonna take that away from you but if you love the movie same thing why did you love the movie and uh we'll be happy to converse with you at the end of the day all we do is we're an exploration on on ideas and thoughts as to how and the why have have either of you played uh a a tomb raider game once or twice not enough to like be a same here no i've never played it same but watching this film i had a thought afterwards i was like yeah i might want to play the game this could be fun yeah Yeah, actually i did too In, in all seriousness right i will give you have to kind of give credit to the game yes it had a very sexualized beginning as far as the character but um in terms of any female character in video games the fact that she's been this long the longevity the the longevity of the character is insane and um there's a lot of interesting articles which i didn't want to get into today as far as this but if you just google uh tomb raider laura croft video game legacy and so forth like the fact that it has withstood the test of time despite its early beginnings and all that. You know what? I'm glad it's changing that persona of who she is. And, and you know, if it took sort of that to get us here, then you know what? I, the, uh, the, the ends justify the means, hopefully. Yeah. yeah no, and, we... But if you look at this film as the film without comparisons sure. to the game, it's a very solid film. Narration, storyline, directing editing acting yeah. like overall it's a very solid film yeah, and, and you don't need familiarity with the game and i'm Not sure well. if you played the game uh, particularly since 2013 uh, maybe you'll like it more um you know i think they did and i know when they rebooted this too like the the new games have gotten like from ign fantastic reviews of gameplay and such so but I didn't. I haven't played it. I really enjoyed what they did with this, um, you know. And I and I hope, uh, fingers crossed, that that we get to see Alicia Vikander play this role again. And I hope they don't take too long to do to, it. To, to, to do it. My guess would be two years. Yeah. Usually, if you if you get on a roll, two years yeah. is what it ends up being. I the only thing that I, I think is a misstep and I'm personally bummed about yeah. is there's not a Tomb Raider video game. There's I think there's one coming out later this year. Mm-hmm but I'm a now kind of generation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that about does it for us. Thank you guys as always. Any final thoughts, Marissa? I love this film. I would see it again or buy it um, when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. That's funny that you say that. I believe, uh, according to Blu-ray.com, I believe the pre-orders uh, are up already for sale on Amazon. Well, let me pull so, out my phone. Uh, so there you go. Um, yeah, it, the movie is a very fun... It's, it, is, it, 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 it achieves... What it's supposed to be. It's a very fun, 
good popcorn movie has thrilling action uh, that's that's added to better than you would expect performances and a, and a smartly written character. Um, so it, it's I can't recommend the movie. I give it a, a a very big thumbs up for this movie. It's worth seeing on a big screen. Uh, sound design was fantastic too, mm-hmm. uh, especially the plane sequence. Oh, and yeah, the, yeah I mean, that breaking. Was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's it's a fun movie. That's what we should be going to movies for. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll even switch it up. If it wasn't paint by the numbers, you would only have one. If you're lucky enough, one great character. We get we, whether it's the friend, whether it's the enemy, even her father, and certainly the villain at the end. They are not two dimensional characters. They oh. serve a larger purpose, and so the fact that an action movie was able to pull that off. Um, I like, don't think it's paint by the numbers. And Dominic yeah. West was really good as the dad, too. Right. I want to see these characters back. Me, too. Absolutely. Me, too. Like Before, now. Yeah. <laughs> In your world of now. now. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, again, that does it for us. In the meantime, you can uh, interact with us, as I mentioned. But for more deeper interaction, at Serafini TV for That's Marissa. Right. At DMovies1701 for Dimitri. Yes. And I'm at Phil Svitek. Thank you guys as always. And check us out here on Popcorn Talk. We will be doing Love, Simon. And next week we'll be doing, um, as of right now, two pieces of coverage specifically for Pacific Rim. One, our anatomy, and one, an interview with uh, someone. We're going to tease you on that. We'll leave you to find out, won't we? Yes. And oh, and if anybody was in Southern California going to WonderCon, I'll be there all day tomorrow. If by chance you happen to see me, say hey. I'll be at artist booth picking up well, more art <laughs> and, and junk. <laughs> but uh, uh, if you do, in fact, see me, say hey. There you go. Please. And uh, oh, check out some past Alicia Vikander movies uh, in the sense of anatomy. We've reviewed pretty much so many of her. A yeah. lot of them. Yeah, uh, I can't not. guarantee all of <laughs> so her movies, many. but certainly enough of them to, to, to fill up your library or your weekend. Anyway, thank you guys as always. Talk to you next Bye. time. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.